Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning to everybody here and online to this fifth Sunday of Easter. The past few weeks, we have been hearing scripture that has revealed to us who Jesus is and how through the resurrection, we are given new life and transformation. And today, we are reminded from the readings about baptism. Now, baptism is a moment where we welcome individuals into the body of Christ and into the mission we share. The sacred waters hold promises of life with God, including the forgiveness of sins throughout our Christian journey. And I have witnessed many different baptisms throughout my life. And as you can see in the pictures on the screen, I also had joyous moments bringing my daughters to baptism as well. In our worship book, we go through a certain baptismal ritual that serves to welcome the individual into the community. It names the realities of this world by renouncing evil. By renouncing it, we re realize our human frailty and that we do live in a world that pulls us, distracts us, and can even misguide us. But through the waters of baptism, we are united with Christ and grace is abundant. We also declare our faith saying, we believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The image of water allows us to see that life and death both surround us. Water is life-giving and necessary for our lives. But we will also realize that water can destroy through floods and tsunamis and turbulent seas. Life and death are both held in water and in baptism. We die to our old self and rise with the new life in Christ. And you'll see in that first picture of my daughter Genevieve, she actually was dunked into the water and out, kind of giving that fuller imagery of dying and rising to Christ. It's through baptism that we begin our Christian journey and are joined with the body of Christ through the work of the Spirit. We see today in Acts that Philip is instructed by an angel to go out into the wilderness where he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. And what we learn about this Ethiopian is that he believes in God. He is reading the scriptures when Philip encounters him. And then we see this amazing exchange between Philip and the Ethiopian discussing Isaiah, which leads to the Ethiopian's baptism. He says to Philip, here's water. What is preventing me from being baptized? There's no hesitation on Philip's part for baptism. He was led by the Spirit to extend welcome. That is what we are called as the body of Christ to do, to welcome those into those sacred waters and communities so all may experience the full life and promise in Christ and the relationship we share with God and one another. And we further understand this relationship with Jesus when he refers to himself as the vine. Jesus uses this descriptive image of a vineyard to illustrate what a relationship between him and the body of Christ is like. When growing grapes in a vineyard, it's best for them to grow on a bilateral vine, and it looks like one single trunk with two arms stretching out. And from those arms come little branches where the grapes grow, and those branches 
in this illustration represent you and me, that we're separate, but we're all connected to the same vine, Jesus Christ. It's through the vine that the branches receive nutrients to produce fruit. And Jesus is the vine, the one who declares, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And as the branches, as the body of Christ, we draw from that life source when we remain in Christ. Abiding in Christ means we enter into a life where there is a mutual sharing. Christ comes into our life, but we also are invited into the life of Christ. There is newness when we connect to Jesus. And as we continue to grow in our faith, we start to abide in love itself which leads our own lives to be ones who live in love and service for one another. Jesus also tells us that the vine grower is God, the one who prunes the branches. After the grapes are harvested in a vineyard, right before the winter, the vine grower goes around and prunes away the long branches, cutting them back. And this pruning process is important for the health of the vine and the grapes. You may do this yourself in your own gardening. If the vinter was not to cut the branches during pruning season, it will take longer for the grapes to mature, since it would take longer for the nutrients to travel from the vine to those grapes. So Jesus calls us to not be like the wild branches that move away, farther away from the vine, or to be the branches that get totally cut off from the vine but rather to draw closer. Beth Moore released a book last year called Chasing Vines, and in it she talks about this very gospel message, and she says, being a branch to the true vine means living with Christ, breathing with Christ, doing day-to-day life with Christ. It's the ongoing awareness of his presence even when there's no feeling of his presence. It's important for us as Christ followers to understand this illustration of vine and branches together, to know in our spiritual growth that Christ is present as we journey together. We come and refresh ourselves in the baptismal waters, remembering the promises of God. We come and we listen to the word which brings forth revelation. We come to the meal, remembering the sacrifice Jesus made for our sins. And in all of this, we come again and again to meet Jesus where he is present and whispers to us over and over again that we are loved. We dwell in that love of God that continually calls to us and breathes new life into us. We dwell in it, but we also are propelled by that love to go and share that love with our neighbor. But here is something we should consider, something to look at further. I think today the reading from 1 John, any time that we read it and encounter it, it certainly brings us comfort, but it is also a word that confronts us. It lays out for us a clear definition of who God is, love. John continues by stating that those who abide in God abide in love, and in turn, God abides in them. We are called to love God and neighbor. The two cannot be separated. 
In fact, John states that we cannot say we love God and hate our neighbor. It sounds on paper easy enough, but living it sometimes can be difficult. And maybe today, for our own pruning's sake, we need to consider in our own lives where love has fallen short. Has jealousy, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger consumed us in any way that blocks out love from flowing from us? Or do we view love as transactional? Meaning, since I gave something to someone, I expect to get something back. And if I don't get something back, then, you know, of course, I'm going to be angry about it. Or do we view love as generosity without expectation? Have I passed judgment and said harsh words out of fear or to puff myself up? The reality is we've all done these things. And we'll continue to do them again and again because we live in a world that's broken. But the good news is that we have been given the gift of the Spirit. And the thing is, if we notice that we're moving too far towards bitterness, anger, rejection, the opposite of what the fruit of the Spirit is, when we feel that, that's a nudge from the Holy Spirit that says we have strayed too far from the vine. So we continue That's why we come here every Sunday. We come to refresh ourselves in the baptismal waters, remembering that even though we live in a world of sin, we are children of God who are forgiven. And through the word, we gain wisdom and insight upon hearing so that we can go out and learn how to love better than we did before. We eat and drink the bread and wine, but when we do, we reach with open hands to say that we need Jesus. And we are so in need of that grace. But then we're sent out to go, to try again, to love again, refreshed and renewed, though, through the work of the Spirit in us. It's important work as followers of Christ to continue to abide, stay put, and bear through the joys and tough times. Our world, more than ever, is in need of that love. Our world needs to know how to sit with each other once again in such divisive times. We need a love that is willing to cross those barriers. And we need a love and a spirit-filled love like Philip who still went at the angel's command and when water was present, baptized the person who couldn't worship in the temple. The past few weeks for me have been tough as a teacher. This semester, I have walked with many of my students through some really trying circumstances, some facing illnesses known and unknown, tons of frustrations with school over Zoom, and two of my students just this semester, each of them lost a parent. Last week, I went to a funeral visitation for one of my students' dads, and I was coming to mourn a loss, but I saw so much life and love residing in that place. I saw God's presence there, and I saw the branches. 
I saw it in the flowers and the cards and the people and the big signs with signatures from students. It was apparent that this man lived a life directed in love because of his ties to the vine. He lived a life of love and service to his church, school, and family. And just to give you an idea of his impact, I want to share a little portion from his obituary. Chris never met a stranger and was a friend to all. A selfless and caring person, Chris ensured he maintained contact with many people from his past and took the time to reach out to them if there was any indication they needed an ear to listen. Chris was a pillar of his community, but more than anything, he was a loving father and husband. As a coach, he ensured his players exhibited sportsmanship-like conduct and never cut corners, making certain the game was played by the rules. To his students and players, Chris was more than just a teacher or just a coach. He took a genuine interest in their education and well-being making an impact on their lives in a very personal way. As we can see from this life well lived, abiding in Jesus matters. Abiding in love matters. It bears much more fruit than we can begin to imagine. So church, where do we need to abide more in Christ? When do we feel the want to cut off or grow away from the source of life? Abiding in Christ is not a want to obtain the most, always be the best, push our own agendas, gain wealth and popularity, have a my way or the highway attitude. No. Abiding in love means we have to die to self, to live in the resurrection of Jesus. Death comes before fruit can be grown. Love is sacrificial. It means breaking down barriers, opening the doors, scooting in and making room at the table, holding hands, praying, laughing, praising, weeping together, and many times holding joy and lament in the same space. It's simply abiding with Jesus together and letting that love flow through us uninhibited. Abiding isn't showing up on Sunday to say, what's in it for me? But rather, what is God up to? And how is God working through me? We may not see every fruit that we produce. We may think that some things we do may go unnoticed, may be unwelcomed, or don't produce any results or change at all. But we, as Easter people, rest in love. We trust the Holy Spirit, knowing that it is active and alive. We are just the vessel, fed by the nourishment from the vine to go out to a world in need of this good news, Let's abide with the one who never leaves. Let's abide in the joyful times and the trying times. Let's abide when the world says all hope is lost. Let's ask with open hearts that God prune away the habits, the selfishness, the things that don't produce joy or love, so we can go out and live with one another in love. 
Let's put away the want to be right all the time or defend in fear. Let's be a presence that forgives, receives, and sets this example of life-giving relationships. Let's be people of the vine who show others that perfect love casts out fear. Thanks be to God. Amen.